This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Greetings and welcome to Faith Moments, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder our Sunday Mass readings. Well, welcome to the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're on Sunday, September 25th, and I've got a special treat for you. What a great way that our liturgy works with our our feast days. And if you look ahead in the calendar, we honor St. Vincent de Paul on the 27th of September, and I'm sure many of you are familiar, at least with the name St. Vincent de Paul, all of the different ministries that outreach to the poor, to those on the margins in our society all over the world. We have beautiful uh, communities that are connected with St. Vincent de Paul. I found a beautiful writing from St. Vincent de Paul that I want to share with you at the close of today's podcast because it so beautifully falls in line with our gospel reading. But let's get into our readings today. We really hear from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, really a focus. And my theme today is really building bridges or barriers. How do we live our lives? Is it in a bridge building or is it in barrier building. And let's listen to the scriptures and hear what the prophets have to say, what Jesus has to say about how we live our daily lives. Our first reading today comes from the book of Amos. Last week, we heard from the book of Amos and this prophet, pretty powerful book in the Old Testament. This is from chapter six. Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, Woe to the complacent in Zion, lying upon beds of ivory, stretched comfortably on their couches. They eat lambs taken from the flock and calves from the stall. Improvising to the music of the harp like David, they devise their own accompaniment. They drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the best oils. Yet they are not made ill by the collapse of Joseph. Therefore, Now they shall be the first to go into exile, and their wanton revelry shall be done away with. The Word of the Lord. Our psalm comes from 146, Praise the Lord, my soul. Blessed he who keeps faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. Praise the Lord, my soul. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects strangers. 
Praise the Lord, my soul. The fatherless and the widow he sustains, but the way of the wicked he thwarts. The Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, through all generations. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, my soul. The second reading comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. But you, man of God, pursue righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Compete well for the faith. Lay hold of eternal life, to which you were called when you made the noble confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you before God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who gave testimony under Pontius Pilate for the noble confession, to keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the blessed and only ruler will make manifest at the proper time the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, and whom no human being has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 16. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten to fill his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering in these, I'm suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad, but now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too become, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to the prophet of Amos. 
He has a lot of woes and a lot of prophecies in this whole chapter, this whole book of Amos. But in this little segment, we hear about those who are complacent, those who, quote, sit on their laurels. They accumulate wealth and really sit on the wealth and the prosperity that they have, and not really in regards to the well-being of those around them. They, Amos says here, woe to the complacent in Zion. They're stretched out comfortably on their couches. And this line really gets me. They anoint themselves with the best oils. We think about the way in which oils are used today in, in sacramental life, of course, as we are baptized, as we are confirmed. Uh, those who are anointed in holy orders, they're anointed with oils. There's something beautiful about the anointment, this uh, setting aside for a holy purpose, this consecration. We use oils for healing, uh, but they are anointing themselves. They're they're treating themselves as a god or 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 their anointing themselves, not maybe looking for those oils in something of a more holy use or manner. And so Amos is reminding us of those temptations of, of being comfortable in the wealth and the temporary accumulation of things or prosperity or titles or what have you in the world at the very end of this small reading, and their wanton reverie shall be done away with. So there is a an eternal consequence for this type of wealth, this type of holding on to and not looking out for your brother or sister. The Psalms are so beautiful today. The Lord sets captives free. We hear this not only in the Psalms, but we hear it being reminded to us in the words of Jesus in many gospel passages. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. That the purpose of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah, is to release those captives, is to bring freedom to all and particularly to the poor and to those who maybe are voiceless in their society, in their culture today. The letter written to St. Timothy in the second reading again today is beautiful because it's reminding us of really how, and Paul is exhorting once again, you know, these are the ways in which I ask you to live. And it's always connected with Jesus Christ. And and, and reminding the people who Jesus is, what happened in this history. And this history wasn't very far off from when these people lived, uh, where St. Paul was, was a little bit after, obviously, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he's encouraging people, pursue, pursue righteousness, devotion faith, love, patience, gentleness. Aren't these the beautiful you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit and the ways in which we live with and cooperation of the Holy Spirit, that we bear fruit that isn't fruit for just us. It's fruit to bless others. It's fruit to be uh, giving glory and honor to God. Compete well for the faith. You know, what we do and yes, we work hard, we earn a paycheck, we may run a business, and we are paid for the work that we do. Are we doing that work 
based and grounded upon the virtues and values that we have in our faith, that we work with honesty and integrity and looking out for the justice and the right, the right treatment of our brothers and sisters that we work with and how we do our daily work, run our businesses, operate our homes even. And so Paul in this writing, he's reminding us, as he reminds people in this letter, I charge you before God to keep the commandments. You know, this is the simple, this is the simple work we're called to do is to keep the commandments. To Jesus be honor and eternal power. I love, I love the words of St. Paul, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone, who alone has immortality. You know, we're not going to build up wealth so we can just be a God. No. The Lord has given us everything that we have. The Lord dwells in unapproachable light and whom no human being has seen or can see. And so again, St. Paul reminds us of how we are to live our lives. Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, what I was pointed out to me about this gospel is this is the only gospel we hear the story. And again, when we hear these parables, there are very few times when there's a character with a name. And so I always look for the names, listen for the names, because there's something significant or something we can learn from in who's being named and who's not being named. But in this story of the rich man, he doesn't have a name, but Lazarus is given a name, the poor man who is slumped at the front of his the steps of this rich man and maybe can't even move or walk himself. Maybe he's crippled, we don't know, but he knows that he's lying there at the door and just hoping for some sort of compassion or well-treatment. But this rich man dined sumptuously, which, which means to me, it says something to me, like he may have more than he even needs. He has so much, he can just dine and be just, just surrounded by pleasures. He's dressed in fine garments, fine linen, purple garments with a um, resembling wealth, royalty maybe. And Lazarus, his name actually is another name. I believe it's the Greek name Eleazar, which means God is my help. So we're even getting a little sense of, of what's going to come from Lazarus in his life. God is his help. It's not the wealth of the man that is going to help him or help the rich man. God will help those who trust in the Lord. And so both men die. And we hear in this reading, we read that the rich man died and was buried but Lazarus was carried away by angels. Isn't that a beautiful vision? If you just think about this poor man slumped over, not able to eat, sores on his body, and that as he dies, the angels carry him up to heaven with Father Abraham. And we hear this encounter because now the, the rich man, again unnamed, sees over this chasm into heaven the poor man that he walked over and must have disregarded in his life. We don't know. And he is still asking at this point of death, 
for Lazarus to help him, help me in my torment. But the situation here is that there is a permanence to the decisions that were made, to the way these men live their lives, that at the point of death, something happens. And the consequences of how we've lived our lives are now lived out. You put your cards down and there's no turning back. There's no turning back at this time. And here's Father Abraham saying that there's a great chasm that separates us. You cannot cross over. People can't cross over from one side to the other. And so in this torment, in this pain of being in hell, literally, the rich man is now calling out for other family members to have a chance. And Jesus reminds Jesus, well, Abraham reminds the man, even if a miracle, like someone would be raised from the dead, they will not be persuaded. There are some who will continue to be obstinate, who will continue to be comfortable in their wealth, that they won't even see the Son of God that's in front of them. And of course, we have to remember Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees, these very knowledgeable, these very wise and righteous men who had the Torah, they had the scriptures, they had all of the rules and practices of their faith. And yet when Jesus comes into their midst, when the Messiah comes and encounters them, and encounters them and invites them to go beyond, to be go beyond where they are today and to experience the Lord's true love, they're not able to see it. They're not able to see, even in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what do we learn from this? You know, we learn we can learn many things. We can take many things home from this. But I think about in this story, there's this chasm. And in our lives every day, we can choose in, in, in whatever we're doing in our life, raising children, running a business, volunteering at a soup kitchen, taking care of our health and well-being, serving in our community, being a student and learning. Whatever that is, we can build bridges, we can build chasms or, or barriers. We can build barriers and separate ourselves from others and do everything for myself, do everything so that I can be glorified, do everything so I can earn and learn and grow for my own self-enlightenment. Or I can build a bridge. I can use the gifts and talents that I have to serve others. I've been amazed in the work that I've done, particularly in Catholic radio and having so many connections with ministries and organizations that I'll just strike up a conversation with somebody and they may be working on a project or maybe they have a, um, something that they're struggling with. And because I'm aware of enough resources, I might be able to find a bridge. You know, have you talked to this person? Have you looked at this resource? You know, there's this ministry out there that you might not know about. Maybe there's this retreat. Maybe there's this prayer or novena. It might be as simple as that. But are we willing to take the time to listen, to encounter people where they are, and maybe something that you've been blessed with? Maybe it's a piece of knowledge. Maybe it's a particular person or a type of work. You can offer that 
and make that be a bridge to help somebody else, maybe in healing, maybe in learning, maybe in growing. I remember having a conversation over the phone with a young man who had some particular talents and he was looking for work and really had a desire to work in a particular industry in the, in the Catholic faith. And I knew of a ministry that was looking for a couple of, of staff members and he fit perfectly. And I connected those two together and he spent a couple of years working and serving in that ministry and just had a, a wonderful time and really grew in his faith. And so are we willing to be a connector, a bridge builder in however the Lord calls us to live our daily lives? Because what we do in our lives matters. In the case of this rich man, it's what he didn't do. He didn't recognize, we don't see in the story, recognizing Lazarus, giving him dignity and helping in any way that he could we call that the sin of omission, the things that we didn't do, that we could have done, that were certainly well within our ability and our means. And yet this rich man lived comfortably. He sat on his own laurels and really looked out only for himself, not looking out for his fellow man or woman, and particularly someone who is right on his fore, in his front porch. And there are people placed in our lives they could be our family, they could be our neighbors, a coworker, somebody in a grocery store line, somebody in our church, somebody in, in a ministry that we're involved in, or just somebody out in the world that we will encounter a stranger on the street and the Lord will put us together and invite us to either be a bridge builder or we could be a barrier. And we could build up a barrier and separate ourselves from others. Yet when we come to that point of death, there is no turning back. We'll either go to heaven or we'll go to hell. And so we have this opportunity to reflect on our lives today and to call upon the lives of the saints, to read the sacred scriptures, and to really take an account of how I'm living my life. Am I building bridges? Am I building relationships with people? Am I helping people to, to do better for themselves, to be a better light in this world? so they can be a light in the next. I wanna close with this writing. I was looking for something about St. Vincent de Paul. I saw a movie a few years ago. I think there's been a few done on the life of St. Vincent de Paul. And this particular one was done in black and white. It was a very old film, uh, but really well depicted the, the extremes that St. Vincent de Paul would go to in caring for the poor. And this was a writing that was found, and it actually is, is used in the Roman office of the readings for the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul, which is on September 27th. It's a little lengthy reading, but I think if you listen to his words, again, this is from St. Paul, we hear the message of Jesus Christ. Even though the poor are often rough and unrefined, we must not judge them from their external appearances, nor from their mental gifts they seem to have received. On the contrary, if you consider the poor in the light of faith, then you will observe that they are taking the place of the Son of God, who chose to be poor. Although in his passion he almost lost the appearance of a man and was considered a fool by the Gentiles and a stumbling block by the Jews, he showed them that his mission was to preach to the poor. He sent me to preach the good news to the poor. We also ought to have the same spirit 
and imitate Christ's actions. That is, we must take care of the poor, console them, help them, support their cause. Since Christ willed to be born poor, he chose for himself disciples who were poor. He made himself the servant of the poor and shared their poverty. He went so far as to say that he would consider every deed which either helps or harms the poor as done for or against himself. Since God surely loves the poor, he also loves those who love the poor. For when one person holds another dear, he also includes in his affection anyone who loves or serves the one he loves. That is why we hope that God will love us for the sake of the poor. So when we visit the poor and needy, we try to understand the poor and weak. We sympathize with them so fully that we can echo Paul's words, I have become all things to all men. Therefore, we must try to be stirred by our neighbor's worries and distress. We must beg God to pour into our hearts sentiments of pity and compassion and to fill them again and again with these dispositions. It is our duty to prefer the service of the poor to everything else and to offer such service as quickly as possible. If a needy person requires medicine or other help during prayer time, do whatever has to be done with peace of mind. Offer the deed to God as your prayer. Do not become upset or feel guilty because you interrupted your prayer to serve the poor. God is not neglected if you leave him for such a service. One of God's works is merely interrupted so that another can be carried out. So when you leave prayer to serve some poor person, remember, this is, very, this is a very service performed for God. Charity is certainly greater than any rule. Moreover, all rules must lead to charity. Since she is a noble mistress, we must do whatever she commands. With renewed devotion, then we must serve the poor, especially outcasts and beggars. They have been given to us as our masters and patrons. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. Have a blessed week. Celebrate the feast of St. Vincent de Paul in a special way on September 27th. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.